shout amen. Father, we, uh, he's just so amazing. And, and y'all, y'all forgive me because sometimes I just I get a glimpse of how good he is. And I just want to stay in that place. And we're going to preach today. We, we finished a series last week on identity and how knowing who we are in Christ and knowing our identity in Christ actually helps us to tie into um, the inheritance that he has for us. But I want to move. I've been now battling with this uh, series for a long time that we're going to preach today or begin today because I feel like a lot of what um, has been, and then this is not a criticism to any church or pastor, um, but I feel like a lot of what has been taught and preached um, in churches has been candy. Um, it's been sugar. It's been ice cream. It's been stuff that tastes good, but not necessarily stuff that makes us healthy. And sometimes, you know, you grew up and your mom would let you have some cookies and some ice cream, but you didn't get it until after you ate that meat and those vegetables and um, some stuff that didn't, you know. You, you ever seen a kid that you were trying to get them to eat something and it wasn't even that bad, but they act like you're trying to kill them? You know, literally, you, you, you stick some broccoli in them and they're like all kind of different faces that you didn't even know they could make, they're making things. They would think that you're torturing them, trying to get a little carrot, a little cut up carrot down in their system. And sometimes preaching is that way. It's, you know, we, we preach too long, Brother John, about the blessing plan and this and that and the other. But sometimes we need to eat the vegetables of following Jesus and trusting him with all that we have so that, and knowing that he's the God that goes before us and all we have to do is follow him. And if we follow him, everything will be taken care of. You know, that I think sometimes we need the vegetables of the fact that everything is not going to be easy all the time. And sometimes you're going to have tests and trials um, and struggles, because if, if I don't tell you as a pastor that you're going to have some tests, when you get to the test, you'll think God is mad at you. We have some honest folk in here. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. You're going through it because some of it is attached to your walk with the Lord. Because you chose to follow Jesus, because you made a decision to follow Jesus, you will have to endure and go through some things sometimes that are unpleasant. But the good news is, is that you will come out of it. Uh, I believe that the, uh, Paul said it like this. He said that don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season you'll reap if you faint not or don't give up. And so the good news about that is that due season, watch this, always comes. It always comes. So my job is to make sure that I'm ready when due season comes. I can't make it come. All I can do is keep doing good, keep planting, keep sowing good seed, and my season is going to come. Amen. So, so this week, we're beginning a series called Battle Ready. and really talking about a um, thing that I believe doesn't get uh, talked about a lot um, in church and really dealing with the warfare, which has become an ugly word in church, but the warfare and the battle of the Christian life and the believer. How many of you know that our faith is indeed a battle? It's a battle. And if it's a battle, that means I've got to be ready for the battle. Sometimes you just got to, I remember um, as I was growing up, sometimes, you know, you, you, you're growing up and you get bullied or you get hit or you get, you know, you get beat up sometime. And I was the type of kid, I didn't like to fight. I could, you know, but I didn't like to fight. And so sometime, you know, I was the type of person, you know, if you hit me, I was going to turn the other cheek. And after a while, I got home. Somebody had done something. I remember was I got home, and I was crying. And my mom, she said, what happened? And she said, I said, such and such happened. And she said, she called my dad in the room and said, let me tell you something. 
He said, the next time you come home, <laughs> y'all have, the, have had these talks before. The next time somebody hits you like that, bullies you like that, and you come home crying, then we're going to have a problem. And I know what that meant. What happens is, is that there comes a point as a parent that you have to teach your children how to fight. Spiritually is where I really wanted to take this and understand this because God, he cares for us, he loves us, he nurtures us, but sometimes there comes a time in our walk in maturity where we just have to learn how to do battle. And he teaches our hands to fight the things that are trying to fight us and the good news is that he's right there in there with us. And if God is, God is with you and he has your back, then you don't have to back down. Come on. I know this is hard to hear because usually uh, we're taught, you know, as long as I do everything right and I mark, I dot every I, I cross every T as a believer, everything's going to work out the way I want it to. That's not true. Sometimes when you do right and you obey, you become a target of the enemy because he knows that your blessing is tied to your obedience. So he begins to try to interweave into your life and get you first to distrust. If he can get you to distrust, then he can get you to disobey. Are y'all following? See, trust and, trust and obedience go hand in hand. If I trust and I can obey, that's why the enemy will attack your faith, because he wants you to not trust God. And if you don't trust God, you won't obey God. And if you don't obey God, the door of your blessing will be closed. Can we say amen? So I'm, I'm, I'm more teaching today. But the scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, really sums up kind of this whole series. It says, fight the good fight for the true faith. I'll stop right there. That means that there's a false faith out there. Everything that attaches its name to Jesus doesn't mean Jesus has something to do with it. Y'all do know that, right? Okay, so just because someone adds the name of Jesus or they add the name of God to something doesn't mean he has anything to do with it. But he says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to what? To the eternal life which God has called you. Some of us, the reason that we struggle in our life is because we're holding tightly to the wrong thing. We're holding tightly to him or her or that or the stuff. And God is saying, I want you to stop holding on so tightly to the temporary and get your hands gripped on the eternal. Can we say amen? And so it says, to which I called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And so there's things that we have professed and we've talked about and as, as believers, well, I'm a Christian, I love God, but sometimes we have to hold on and live out what we claim we're walking in. And the problem is, is that we get, um, a lot of people don't have respect for our Christian walk because they hear us say one thing and do another. And, and, and there's nothing, it's just like that. It's, it's, it's not tied only to being a believer. Anytime you come in to contact with somebody and their words don't match their actions, and it's quiet in here today, but that's all right. It, their words don't match their actions. The first thing in your heart, you may not say it with your mouth, you yell hypocrite. And what happens is you lose respect for people who say one thing and do another. But we as believers, God wants us to hold tightly to the eternal life that we claim to have. Spurgeon said this, he said, it strikes me that conflict is the principal feature of the Christian life this side of heaven. We talk a lot about peace. Is there something wrong with this microphone or is it the way I'm holding it? It feels like it's going in and out. Uh, but 
It says that, that we talk a lot about peace and, and a lot of us like calm and we like smooth sailing in our life. But as believers, how many of you know that there is going to be conflict? And the best thing that we can do uh, for believers coming up and new believers and people in our charge is to prepare them for what's going to attack them sometimes. Sometimes we shield so much that we end up pushing people out there unprepared for being betrayed, being stabbed in the back, come on, being criticized for no reason, being turned on. And sometimes you have to say, you know what, even if you try to do everything right, even if you get everything right, sometimes something's going to attack you. Sometimes there is going to be a battle. You can get everything right, and still sometimes your children may not act right. Sometimes you can get everything right, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is going to go smooth doesn't mean that everybody's going to like you on your job because this is a spiritual battle. And when you name the name of Christ and when you say, I am a Christian, I am a believer, I am a child of God, let me assure you the enemy wants a piece of you. Uh, Peter said it like this, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. In other words, you ever been through something, you're like, man, this is really strange. This is really strange that I'm going through this. I want to tell you, it's not a strange thing because you're marked by God. But the good news, as I said, is that you will watch this. You will come out of it. What's killing you is not, what's trying to kill you is not going to be the end of your story. Some of us, you can be going, we can be going through so much that we think this is it. This is it. This is my breaking point. This is where it all ends for me. And God says, you know what? Even if the enemy thinks he's going to kill you, I have enough power to give you a resurrection. I just want to encourage somebody today. Faith is a battle. And here's why it's a battle. It's a battle for one reason. Because you have an enemy that does not want you to believe God. Let me, let, let's strip everything else away. Strip, all, strip the actual details of your test, of your trial away. And at the end of the day, the reason it is a battle is because the devil does not want you to believe what God said. And I'll prove it to you because it, it, it started in Genesis and God says, look, Adam, you got everything in the garden. You can have whatever you want. Don't touch this. And what does the enemy do? He shows up in the garden in the form of a servant. And the first thing he said is, did God say? It was an attack on what God told him. And it's the same way that the enemy attacks you. You read your word and your faith gets, uh, begins to rise and you begin to see the promises of God in your life. But then the enemy starts whispering to you too. And what he says is, did God really say? I know they said you're going to get healed, but did he really say that? Or was it just you? See, he, he's really, the enemy studies us. Back when this church started, I said, he, he is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything about you. So what he does is he studies you, and he just throws stuff and sees what's going to stick. Oh, that worked on them. Let me do that. The fear of lack works on them. Boom, let me do that. They can't handle being criticized. Let me make sure I have people around them who criticize them. So he just throws things, and when we respond to it in a way that God doesn't want us to, he's like, ah, that works on them. Very strategic. It's a battle because the enemy doesn't want you to believe what God says. So what's the answer to that? First Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine, stay alert. Can I say it a different way? Wake up. 
it's time for us as believers to wake up to the things of God, to wake up to the presence of God, to wake up to what God wants to do in our life. It says, watch out for your great enemy. And he tells you who it is. See, you think your enemy is the person sitting next to you. He says, the enemy is who? And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is what this should tell you. If he's looking for someone to devour, it doesn't mean he has open season on everybody. So we cannot walk around in fear. I'm afraid of what the enemy's going to do to me, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. He can't get everybody. That's why he's searching, saying, no, I'm looking. I'm trying to find an easy target. Let me tell you, this is a plug for why church is important, because the enemy looks for lone wolves. He looks for people who want to isolate and get by themselves, and, and as soon as they get by themselves, starts messing with their head. Now, there's times you need to be alone and get quiet with the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about, but he looks for us to, to have these moments to be deceived and thinking we don't need the other members of the family. And so we get in this box by ourselves, and then he starts, and he plans his attack. So find a brother or sister in Christ that, that can pray with you, that can agree with you, that can encourage you. And sometimes you need somebody in your life, when, you start, when the enemy starts talking crazy to you, you need somebody in your life to say, no, that's just the enemy. Because sometimes in the midst of your test, in the midst of the trial, you don't know it's the devil. You think it's you. You know how it sounds? You're not going to make it. You're not good for anything. Nobody wants you. Nobody loves you. Y'all know I'm, I'm real with this microphone. <laughs> so that's how it sounds. Go, go, go kill yourself. Nobody cares anyway. Nobody will miss you anyway. He whispers these things. And you need a friend to say, that is not God. Nor is it you. That is Satan trying to take you out before you get your blessing. It's Satan trying to take you out before you get your breakthrough. You say, I don't need any friends. You need a friend. You don't have to have a lot of friends, but you need some quality ones who can tell you the truth. And say, don't stay in that pit. Don't stay in that swamp. Instead, you need some friends who don't kick you further down in the quicksand, but they offer a hand up and say, come on. Uh, if God is bringing me out, all you got to do is take my hand. And that's a guarantee that if he's bringing me out, as long as you got my hand, you're coming out too. See, this walk is not about me, my foreign, no more. But it's about the fact that if I see my brother sinking, I've got to, I've got, I, I don't care what you did. We'll talk about what you did later. Let's get you out of the sand first. See, some of us will rather criticize somebody to death instead of offering them a hand up and then deal with it later. We can make sure you don't get in the quicksand again, but now let's just help you out. Pastor, how do you, how, how, do you, how can you say that? How can you say that? I heard something yesterday that I'll never forget. The secret, and I think I may have even put this somewhere, the secret of ministry is realizing that that person on the altar could be you. I want that to sink in for a minute. Before you judge and criticize somebody, realize was it not for the mercy and the grace of God that it could have been you in that position. It could be you listening to the doctor's report right now. It could be you 
Let me, that's a different message. Let me stop. Stand firm. So he gives us the answer. Stand firm against them and be strong in what? Your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You are not the only one. I am not the only one. And see, the enemy will try and isolate you and say, I'm the only one that's ever been through this. I'm the only one going through this right now. Let me assure you that if you're dealing with depression, somebody else is too. If you're dealing with addiction, you're not the only one. That's the enemy's lie. You're not the only one. Just because the enemy's looking for someone to destroy doesn't mean he can destroy everyone he's looking for. So I want to get in a place where the enemy can't touch me. And you know where that place is called? The secret place. Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What happens when you get in that secret place? You begin to see stuff that's happening around you but not happening to you. And that's why I want to be, because I want to be in this place where, yes, I have, I have tests and trials in my life, but God, bring me to this place in your presence that the storm and the thunder and the lightning and the hurricanes and the tornadoes of life may be happening around me, but they're not taking me out. See, sometimes the biggest witness and the biggest testimony in our life is not that we come out of the storm, but that we go through it untouched. See, the, th the three Hebrew boys, y'all heard that story, that Bible story, got tossed in the fire. And most of us were praying, were praying, God, keep me out of the fire, keep me out of the fire. But that testimony was that they ended up in that fire untouched and somebody else showed up in the fire with them. How many of you know that whatever you're in, God can show up? God can show up in your sickness. He can show up in your, your, your perceived defeat. He can show up in the tests and whatever it is that you're facing, he can show up right there and leave you to where you don't even smell like the fire you've been through. Is this encouraging you today? I hope it is. Being spiritually alert is the key to handling spiritual attack. Being spiritually alert is the key. See, you have to understand What's attacking you? If you understand what's attacking you, you can recognize it. And sometimes, it, as a pastor, well, let me be honest with you, sometimes I hear people talk, and immediately I know what spirit is operating. And, and, and people will come to you and say this, you know, I, I heard God said, and, and what I want to say is, I know you heard a voice, I'm just not so sure it was God. And so you've got to be able sometimes to recognize in your home and in your family, okay, what is this thing? That's trying to take root in my mind, trying to take root in my heart, and you got to stop it before it grows. Come on. I got a three-year-old now. And so they talk about, you know, how kids at two, they do certain things. Well, mine seemed to start at three. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love her, and she knows it. She thinks she can get out of it with that smile, and many times she can <laughs> But my point is <laughs> that there's things sometimes if she does them and I recognize, okay, this is something that I got to break this now. It's not harm, harmless little, little, you know how kids are. Because see, what you say is cute now will destroy them later. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute when they slap you in the face as a three-year-old. But it's not so cute when they do it as a 17-year-old. So you, certain things, you understand this, when you rec you got to recognize what the enemy is doing, you got to stop it right there. Helping anyone. All right. This is, I'm just teaching. I'm not preaching. I'm just, I'm because 
what sense would it make for us to come into church Sunday after Sunday and not experience victory in our life? God is a God of victory. Christ won the victory when he rose three days later from the dead. So I refuse to live defeated every day. You know, I may have tests and I may have struggles, but these things aren't going to bury me. i got to recognize what's coming against me and take authority over it. When we engage in spiritual battle, we're called to stand, not run. See, the, the key to this Christian life is knowing what to run from and what not to run from. See, and some of us, we stick around and try to be tough for the wrong things. I'll give you an example. The Bible says flee fornication. But some of us want to stand the test and we get in trouble. <laughs> There's kids in here. You know, I'm going to be tough. I got this. And you find out three or four phone calls later, you're not as strong as you thought you were. <laughs> Y'all know, be, be real. You know, somebody start talking right, saying the right things, and you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to do this and ask for forgiveness. Nobody like y'all too safe. Y'all never did that. But you got to know when it's time to run. Sometimes that those windows get too steamy. You need to go home. Amen. Just go home. Put a ring on it. Recognize. You got to recognize what's what's attacking you. And sometimes you called to stand and not run. And that means when the enemy is beating your mind up, telling you you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it out of this, you're not going to make it out of that, everything's always going to be the same, that's the time where you want to give up on God, you want to give up on church, you want to give up on everything else. That's the time you need to be in his house the most. I remember a few years ago, um, and I tell this to encourage somebody, I remember probably about five or six years ago, I was sick as I've ever been. This happened maybe two or three times in my life, one recently and then one years ago, sick, sick, sick. And I was headed to a Tuesday night service and about halfway I said, you know what, I'm not going. I'm not going to church. I, I can't make it. I can barely walk. I'm throwing up all over the place. And then the Spirit of God kind of spoke in my heart, said, you, you need to be there today. And I'm not, now me and God have an argument. I don't know if y'all ever had that with God. I'm like, God, you see, you see this? And you still, you want me to go? He's okay, I'll go. I'm like, okay, God, I'll, I'll go. I showed up, and let me tell you, that word dug out so much stuff that I was dealing with for years that I would have never been able to get free from if I'd have stayed home. I want you to think about that. This is how subtle the enemy is. He doesn't come and show up on a Sunday morning and say, hey, there's a great word for you that's going to encourage you. Stay home. Let me tell you how he shows up. Man, you worked really hard this week. Just, just take off. God will understand. He can speak to you in your bed. Subtle. But don't you know that pressing past what you're dealing with sometimes in, in your mind and in your body, God can give you something that changes your life forever. Because what you don't know about that story I just told you was I've been praying for years, God, why doesn't anybody see the years of turmoil that I went through? You know, I go into church and, and Brother Des, they say, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, and um, God's hand is on your life. But what I was really battling was, God, why don't you speak to somebody about some of these wounds that I have? 
And the reality is, is we know how to do church really well. Can we say amen? We've learned it. If you've been in church, if you, you know how to do it well, you know the right time to say amen, the right time to hug somebody, the right time to shake somebody's hand. But sometimes inside, God, I just need to understand that somebody can identify with what I'm going through right now and help me get out of it. I need to know that somebody can realize I've been in the pit for years and I need a fresh start. Sometimes I, I, I don't need to be told. Can anybody identify with this? I need to be I need to be able to told that be, be told that my tears are okay and my pain is okay and that I'm just you know what sometimes I don't need to be told anything I just need you to hug me and cry with me until I come out of it. I don't know who that's for. Somebody else has gained victory over what you're fighting right now. How many of you know you're not the first one? As tough as it is, you're not the first one. You're not the first one to be sick. You're not the first one to be betrayed. You're not the first one to be stabbed in the back. You're not the first one to be criticized. But the good news is, if somebody else came through it, and I want you to tell you that with Christ and with the Holy Spirit on the inside, you'll come through it too. See, I don't have anything deep for you today. I just want to tell you you're going to make it. I just want to be the parent that tells you it's going to be all right if you just hang on and trust God and keep obeying him the best way you know how. It's going to make it. Well, Pastor, how is it, how is it going to be? How, how is it going to be okay? I don't see a way. I, I, you don't need to understand that. Just keep doing good. Just keep doing right, and God will bring you out. Well, what am I supposed to do right now then, Pastor? Ephesians 6.10 says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of, in his mighty power. Let me tell you why many of us want to give up, because we've been living life in our own strength for years. Because at the end of the day, if I can't depend on anybody else, I can depend on me. You ever had somebody call you and say, I'll be there? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I just feel a level of transparency today that I think is going to help somebody. I can't tell you the number of times in this recent season of my life that I have listened to people tell me, Pastor, if you need me, I'm there. I'm ride or die. No matter what you need, I'm there. And to be honest for God, for me to, to, to see that for many of them, it's the biggest lie they've ever told in their life. Because there's some things that are easy to say, but in practice, not easy to do. You see, some of us need some friends that can see the good, the bad, and the ugly. The reason some of us are wounded is because there were people who told us they had our back no matter what. And when no matter what showed up, they disappeared. Job said, I looked to the north, I couldn't perceive him. Looked to the right, I couldn't, I couldn't hear him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I'll come forth like pure gold. The, the beauty of the Christian life is I may not know where I'm going right now. 
But what I do know is the fact that even though I can't see it, he's watching over my path. Some of you got some stuff you can't figure out right now. You're trying to figure it out. You're going out of your mind trying to figure out. And God is, is watching, saying, I got this one. I've already turned the decision in your favor. The, the provision has already been made. The favor has already been made. The application's already been approved. You, 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 the stuff that you're stressing about. God says, I got it. I got it. I grew up in New York, a part of my life. And we had to take the bus everywhere. Family couldn't afford, you know, a car. First car we got was an 85 Cutlass Burgundy, the ugliest thing. But man, at the time, though, we thought that was like a limousine. Man, that Cutlass, man, and then, you know, the little lock that you push to the side is red, and then you lock it, it's, anyway. But before that, we would take the bus everywhere. And in New York, if you've ever been, it gets freezing cold in the winter. We're at the bus stop, and I'm, I remember I'm, I'm going out of my mind crying, Regina. I'm, I'm crying because like, I feel like my, my face is like ice. And the bus, it, it didn't seem like it was ever going to come. It's dark. It's cold. It's snowing. We don't have a car. We're just waiting on the bus. My dad did something I'll never forget. He was wearing this long trench coat. And he took me, put me inside the trench coat, covered it up, and absorbed what was attacking me at that time. I want you to understand something about God. You, you, you many of you are in a hot and cold season right now. Enemy is ferocious, and God is saying, I'm trying to pull you into the secret place. I just need you to surrender and come in here and let me cover you during this time. See, sometimes the greatest miracle is not that you get what you want, but the fact that he covered you. Amen. Think about that for a minute. Think about the reality of that. He didn't leave you uncovered at the time of your greatest vulnerability. We're called to live in God's strength, not our own. So what do we do with all of this? Put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We're often looking for complete victory with partial covering. And this is where it's difficult sometimes to pastor people because people will come and they will bring you hey, we're dealing with this, so this is the, the attack that we're having right now. And you as a pastor know, well, you left this area, and, and you, it, it, sometimes it, spiritually you can see it's like, and you want to just shake people in a loving way. You want to say, Brother Des, if you just would cover this area. I'm not talking about you, but you know I'm using you as an example. Because people would, you know, people would, not him, but people would say, but pastor talked about me, I'm not coming back in. <laughs> But you just want to pull people aside and say, look, you, you left that area uncovered. God wants to bless it, but you just got to get your life in alignment in that area. It's not that, it's not that he wants to beat you up. It's just God said, I gave you a prescription for this. And you feel like this area of your life is out of control, but this is, you just need to change this. And get full covering back in that area. Come on. Does it make sense? 
You just, you just, it's not, some of us are like, I got to spend years and years and years before I get it right. No, he's just saying, okay, you've been doing this for years. Now I want you to do this. And I'll turn it around just like that. The cure for disobedience is always obedience. We're only as strong. Don't miss this. Take a picture of this. We're only as strong as our smallest area of disobedience. When something is coming against you and fighting you, this is important to understand. An enemy is looking just for one area to exploit. You, you understand what I'm saying? You understand the seriousness of what I'm saying to you? He's not looking for the areas that you're strong. He's just looking for one area. Some of us, for an example, we just can't handle being criticized about anything. And so he knows that's a weakness for us, and so he'll just drop a little thing right there that ruins our whole day because of one thing. He tries to exploit our weaknesses. So what do we do with our weaknesses in a time where we, we hold up transparency and we hold up um, exposing things? You need to expose things to the right people till you're on the right side of it. Does that make sense? Because if you expose it, you never want to expose it to somebody who will exploit it. Different message. Let me finish this up. Ephesians 6.12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your husband, your wife, your children, your brother, your sister, your co-workers, they are not your enemy. But against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places, we must properly identify our true enemy. Some of us fall out with people for no reason because we misunderstood each other. We didn't communicate properly. And so because of that, we end up at war with each other. You end up at war in your own home because of something that you didn't clear up that should have been cleared up months ago. Got to identify the enemy. Some of us don't experience, and this is where I want to kind of close it. We don't experience victory because we're fighting the wrong battles. Say this with me. Say, I refuse. To fight where there's nothing to be won. That will eliminate majority of the fights that we have in our life. We got to ask ourselves, what is to be gained by this fight here? We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Here's the point. As you close your eyes and we prepare to, to pray over some things. As a believer, as a child of God, you got to understand you don't fight the way this world fights. It's a totally different battle. And you got to realize what's being attacked. The greatest attacks are on our mind. They're on our identity as believers, as we talked about in the past review. They're on our faith and believing that God is going to come through and work out things according to his plan in our life. They're, the attacks are on our destiny. 
believing whether God is going to come through us, whether I actually have a purpose beyond today. We're going to pray and begin to, to worship here in a few minutes. But I want to challenge you. If you've built your life on anything up to this point other than God, you've built it on sinking sand. And the deception of that is you can go a long time that way. But when the storms of life hit, you're going to find out how you've been built. Life, our walk of faith, our relationships, our friendships, the strength of those things are not really tested until we've been through a storm. When you're building something, I'm taking my time with this, but we're finished. We're finished, but I want you to really get this for your own life. When you're building something, most of the time is spent building the foundation and making sure the foundation is right. In other words, you build down before you build up. And so great expense, great effort, watch this, goes into a part of the building that people will never see. So people see you. They see where you are now. They see what you're dealing with now, but they don't see what went into <laughs> you becoming who God made you right now. And when that gets exposed is when you go through the tests and the trial and when it's hurricane season um, in your life. Then you find out how well you've really been built. And right now, because y'all are, I just feel so strongly, many people are going through tests right now, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, if you're here, just bow your hand and close your eyes. And you're going through a test right now, just lift your hand all over the room. I want to pray and agree with you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just want to pray um, with you. Um, the fact that you're going through a test right now, one, Understand something. God trusts what he put in you to stand the test. And you're going to make it. You are going to make it. Songwriter said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground. Sinking sand. So some of you, as we sing this song, we just worship, and I'll pray at the end, but as we sing this song, I want you to, to if you're comfortable standing, you don't have to come up, but just, just stand, and I want this song to be a declaration of where your faith truly lies. And then after that, I'm going to come back, and we're going to pray um, and believe God for miracles in your life. But can we worship at this time? <laughs>